We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 210 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, December 20th, 2021, and it is nice to be back with you. Uh, Do we have some stuff to talk about? I do believe that we have some stuff to talk about. I am back from my sister's wedding, the wedding of Sister Galdi. Uh, The wedding took place in Florida. I was down in FLA. Uh, I was in the Sarasota-Bradenton area. Very nice area. Very nice wedding. Uh, Although she actually got married last December, but uh, there was not a proper wedding last December due to everybody's favorite thing, COVID-19. But I was put to work for this wedding, all right? I had to do a speech at the rehearsal dinner on Thursday night. I had to do a reading at the wedding on Friday. Uh, I know that I did not do a show for Friday, but I felt like I was doing a show given how much I got put to work at this wedding. I almost busted out a read for Paulson and Nace uh, during the reading at the wedding. But anyway, it is nice to be back with you. Uh, I followed everything that was going on with our Washington football team, and man, was there a lot going on, and man, do we have a lot to talk about regarding this game at the Philadelphia Eagles, a game that now will take place on Tuesday night. Uh, The game postponed due to a Washington football team COVID-19 outbreak that got out of control. Uh, Jeez, this outbreak was like the outbreak that would not stop. It appears as if the outbreak now finally has calmed down, uh, but who the heck knows. Next segment, I will address two things. A, the whining, the crying from Eagles players and fans about this game being postponed, and B, the major changes to the NFL's COVID-19 testing that Washington's outbreak has helped to initiate. This is a big deal. How much the NFL over the last few days has altered the way that the league is handling COVID-19 this season. Also, I will discuss just where the heck we're at in terms of player availability for Washington for Tuesday night at the Eagles, including the quarterback situation. Is it going to be that Garrett Gilbert is Washington's starting quarterback on Tuesday night? Well, speaking of COVID-19 problems, the Capitals right now have plenty of COVID-19-induced player absences. I will talk Caps uh, off their 5-2 win at the Winnipeg Jets on Friday night, but then a 3-2 loss to the Los Angeles Kings at Capital One Arena on Sunday night. I got to talk Wizards. Great win for the Wiz on Saturday night, a 109-103 victory at the mighty Utah Jazz. Nice job, Wizards. Uh, And I'll talk some college hoops off games for Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech over 
the last few days. So with the Washington football team not playing on Sunday, we all got a chance to take in the rest of the NFL. Uh, Three results stand out in particular regarding Washington's playoff position. So Dallas is all but a certainty now to win the NFC East. The Cowboys improved to 10-4 and with a 21-6 win at the New York Giants, who fell to 4-10 and and are basically done in terms of postseason contention to whatever extent the Giants were ever in postseason contention. We have San Francisco now creating some distance regarding having a grip on the NFC's second wild card spot. So that would be the sixth seed in the NFC. The 49ers improved to 8-6 and six with a 31-13 blowout of the Atlanta Falcons, who fell to 6-8. and eight. And the most notable result to me was New Orleans pulling off a shocker on Sunday Night Football. The Saints improved to 7-7 seven and seven with a 9-0 win at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Raise your hand if you expected that. Not only the Saints winning at the Bucs, but the Saints winning by a 9-0 count. Uh, this NFL season, like every NFL season now, has been filled with unpredictable results. I mean, you had maybe the most unpredictable result of the NFL season on Sunday with the 1-11-1 Detroit Lions shredding the 10-3 Arizona Cardinals 30-12. But that Saints win at the Bucks on Sunday Night Football did Washington no favors. Uh, Washington, for the moment, is out of being in the playoffs. Washington now is eighth in the NFC. The Saints now are seventh in the NFC. Washington, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Eagles are tied for eighth in the NFC at six and seven. Washington does have uh, the tiebreakers. So Washington is the number eight team in the NFC. Uh, the Vikings will play on Monday night football. Vikes will be at the Chicago Bears on Monday night football. Washington, of course, will be at the Eagles on uh, Tuesday night football. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich off me, not doing a show for Friday due to being at the wedding. Writes Rich, uh, it was strange with no podcast from you on the Friday before a football weekend. This may seem odd, but I started imagining what a podcast from your sister's wedding would be like. It goes something like this. Let's be honest, she, parentheses, don't know her name, isn't in her age 20 season anymore. Heading into her age 32 season, there are limited opportunities here. And remember, there have been issues which have kept her off the field. There was that incident in Cancun over spring break. If she can't come through here, this could be it. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rich. Uh, Rich, uh, coming up with what my analysis of the uh, wedding might be. Uh, nice usage of my age season gimmick, Rich. Uh, my sister has not had an incident in Cancun, at least not one uh, that you can prove. Uh, email from Marlon G on the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak writes, Marlon, what's causing all this? Is Montez Sweat patient zero? Is Montez what is causing all this? We need to know. Uh, thank you, Marlon. Uh, nice usage of one of my favorite lines from the great Ric Flair. What's causing all this? And we always want to know yeah. one thing. What's causing all this? Yeah. Yes, Nature Boy. Thank you. Uh, look, poor Montez Sweat, okay? All of this talk that he's the root cause of Washington's COVID-19 outbreak. I mean, he could be. That's possible. But so could any of a number of other people. We just don't know. Just because Montez Sweat isn't vaccinated for COVID-19 doesn't mean that he caused the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak. That's not a leap that we can just make. Uh, Email from Dr. George Verghese of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland writes the good doctor of the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak. I relate to the skins. Half my staff is out. We'll be bringing patients back and doing surgery solo. Hopefully, I don't have to answer the phone too, LOL. Enjoy the wedding. Hope it's not a super spreader event. Uh, Thank you, doctor. Yes, I also hope that the event was not a super spreader event. Uh, Well, if you have concerns about the health of your skin for any reason, you can call 301-396-3401. And who knows? Maybe Dr. Verghese will answer the phone himself. But if you have questions or concerns regarding your skin, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is a big Washington football team fan. He's a big listener 
of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer treatments for conditions such as acne, psoriasis, and eczema. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer state-of-the-art services such as Botox, laser hair removal, and chemical peels. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer advanced treatments for many skin cancers. Heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery, Institute of Maryland. All right, so this is the rare Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast during the NFL season that we do not have a Washington football team game to yell and scream about because there was no game on Sunday. The game, as you probably know by now, on Friday. Uh, got moved to Tuesday. We on Tuesday night will have Tuesday night football. The six and seven Washington football team at the six and seven Philadelphia Eagles at seven. The game, of course, got postponed from its original time of Sunday afternoon at one due to a massive COVID nineteen outbreak for Washington. Next segment, I'll get into the latest on who is in and who is out for Washington and react to comments from Ron Rivera on Sunday. But right now, I want to address two specific aspects of everything that has been going on regarding this game for the Washington football team at the Eagles. The first point that I want to make is this. The NFL rescheduling Washington's game at the Eagles in week 15 is not a result of the NFL changing the rules. There has been a lot of whining and complaining from Eagles players and fans about the rescheduling of this game. Tweeted Eagle safety and Virginia product Rodney McLeod this past Friday afternoon, quote, so we have to suffer and compromise our schedule because of another team's mistake. Make it make sense, exclamation mark, S-M-H, as in shaking my head, end quote. Ah, the wisdom of Rodney McLeod, a product of UVA, a product of DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh, Look, from an Eagles perspective, I get the outrage to a point. The COVID-19 outbreak is a Washington problem, not an Eagles problem. Uh, The Eagles were ready to play the game on Sunday. The game being moved to Tuesday means that the Eagles will have a mere four days until the team's next game, which is at home against the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon, December 26th at 1. Now, never mind that the Eagles for this Week 15 game against Washington are coming off uh, their bye week, okay? Uh, Never mind that the Giants are terrible and fell to 4-10 with a 21-6 home loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. I do get Eagles players and fans being annoyed by the rescheduling, but there is a difference between being annoyed and being screwed. The Eagles were not screwed. The Eagles were not done dirty by the NFL, which did not change any rules. This woe is us, the NFL changed the rules on us stuff from Eagles players and fans sounds great and makes for a good rallying cry, but there's a teensy weensy problem with the whole thing. The woe is us, the NFL changed the rules on us stuff from Eagles players and fans is fake news. It's wrong. It's inaccurate. It's not true. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell this past July 22nd sent out a memo to all 32 of the league's teams laying out a policy regarding COVID-19 for this season. The memo got a lot of attention because the memo took a hardline stance against postponing games for teams with COVID-19 outbreaks caused by players who had not been vaccinated for COVID-19. Quote, If a game is canceled slash postponed, 
because a club cannot play due to a COVID spike among or resulting from its non-vaccinated players slash staff, then the burden of the cancellation or delay will fall on the club experiencing the COVID infection. We will seek to minimize the burden on the opposing club or clubs. If a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. If a game cannot be rescheduled within the current 18-week schedule and is canceled due to a COVID outbreak among non-vaccinated players on one of the competing teams, the club with the outbreak will forfeit the contest and will be deemed to have played 16 games for purposes of draft, waiver priority, etc. For the purposes of playoff seeding, the forfeiting team will be credited with a loss and the other team will be credited with a win. End quote. So, that was the passage that got everyone all excited because the league used the word forfeit, which is not a word that comes up often in major professional sports. The league put that stuff in the memo to try to compel and scare teams into having as many players as possible vaccinated for COVID-19 and to try to compel and scare players to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Understand, the NFL wanting players to get vaccinated for COVID-19 has never been about health, okay? The NFL wanting players to get vaccinated for COVID-19 has been about money, okay? Has been about having all of the regularly scheduled games take place to maximize revenue for the NFL off revenue in the 2020 season being down so much due to so many games not having fans in attendance. So the NFL in July took this hardline stance and made this big to-do about players who aren't vaccinated for COVID-19. But nowhere in that memo, nowhere in the memo, was it ever said that there would not or could not be games in the 2021 NFL season that were postponed for COVID-19 reasons, okay? If you take the time to actually read the memo and not just go off what was on Twitter, you will know this. The memo multiple times made it clear that games in the 2021 NFL season could be postponed. Here's one portion of the memo. Quote, every club is obligated under the Constitution and bylaws to have its team ready to play at the scheduled time and place. A failure to do so is deemed conduct detrimental. There is no right to postpone a game. Postponements will only occur if required by government authorities, medical experts, or at the commissioner's discretion. End quote. Here's another portion of the memo that makes it clear that games in the 2021 NFL season can be postponed for COVID-19 reasons. Quote, whether to reschedule a postponed game will be dependent on health and safety reasons at the recommendation of medical experts, as well as considerations of stadium availability, schedule integrity, fan convenience, and other appropriate matters, end quote. Now, these things being laid out, I will grant you, are rather vague, abstract concepts, but that's part of the purpose of the wording of a memo like this one. You want to leave it so that you have some flexibility. So I don't know if Eagles players and fans just haven't read the memo. I don't know if Eagles players and fans need to like work on their reading comprehension skills. You know, maybe Eagles players and fans need to watch some episodes of Reading Rainbow. I'm not sure. But the policy is all right there in that memo that Roger Goodell this past July sent to all 32 of the NFL's teams. Now, speaking of Goodell, speaking of the Roger, uh, he this past Friday sent out another memo. Uh, This memo sent to all 32 of the NFL's teams. This memo announced the postponements of three games in Week 15. The Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams, and the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. Said Goodell in the memo, quote, the emergence of the Omicron variant is precisely the kind of change that warrants a flexible response, end quote. Exactly. You got to be flexible. So Eagles players and fans can cry, (laughs) but that doesn't make what they're crying about true or valid. And I wanted to make that point in this installment of the podcast because I don't feel like that point has been made enough, okay? 
Eagles players and fans can be annoyed by all of this. I get that. But Eagles players and fans are not in the right in saying, well, we were done wrong or the NFL changed its rules. No, it didn't. You should have read the rules more carefully when the rules came out all the way back in July. The second major point that I want to make this segment regarding everything that has been going on with the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak is this. So bad has been this outbreak that it has helped to bring major and I would argue needed change to the NFL's COVID-19 testing procedures. So Washington, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Cleveland Browns all have been having major COVID-19 outbreaks recently. The original COVID-19 testing policy for this NFL season was predicated on the following, as outlined in that memo that Roger Goodell sent to all 32 of the league's teams this past July 22nd. Quote, if a vaccinated person tests positive and is asymptomatic, he or she will be isolated and contact tracing will promptly occur. The positive individual will be permitted to return to duty after two negative tests at least 24 hours apart and will thereafter be tested every two weeks or as directed by the medical staffs. Vaccinated individuals will not be subject to quarantine as a result of close contact with an infected person. If an unvaccinated person tests positive, the protocols from 2020 will remain in effect. The person will be isolated for a period of 10 days and will then be permitted to return to duty if asymptomatic. Unvaccinated individuals will continue to be subject to a five-day quarantine period if they have close contact with an infected individual, end quote. Well, the NFL on Thursday announced significant changes to the league's COVID-19 testing policy for the 2021 NFL season. Uh, the changes were negotiated between the NFL and the NFL Players Association, and the changes include this. A player who has been vaccinated for COVID-19 but has tested positive for COVID-19, no longer has to produce two negative tests at least 24 hours apart to be able to come back to practice and play. That player now can come back to practice and play if he just has two negative tests or has a viral load beneath a certain threshold. Now, I find it interesting that being boosted for COVID-19 is not a part of this. It would seem to me that you really want to be making things easy for those who have been both vaccinated and boosted for COVID-19 because the vaccines pretty clearly now wear off and or don't work as well with the COVID-19 variants. But the general idea here of making it easier for players who have been vaccinated for COVID-19, have tested positive for COVID-19, but are asymptomatic of COVID-19 to return to practice and playing makes sense to me. I mean, no epidemiologist am I, but these changes make sense to me. As I have said, there is little, if any, evidence of on-field spread of COVID-19 in NFL games and practices, at least from what I've seen. The CDC did a paper on this this past January, how there was no evidence of on-field spread of COVID-19 in NFL games and practices. So if you're vaccinated for COVID-19 and thus at a lower risk of transmitting COVID-19, then things should be made easier for you to return to practicing and playing, especially again, given the lack of evidence of on-field spread of COVID-19 in NFL games and practices. We then had this. The NFL this past Saturday announced, quote, a more targeted testing plan, end quote, for COVID-19. This is interesting. The major items in the more targeted testing plan for COVID-19 are as follows. Individuals who have been fully vaccinated for COVID-19 and are considered asymptomatic of COVID-19 are no longer to be subjected to weekly testing for COVID-19. If a fully vaccinated player or staff member reports COVID-19 symptoms, that person will immediately be isolated and tested and will not be permitted to interact with any player or tiered staff until producing a negative test. Also, all players and tiered staff are to be subjected to, quote, stringent symptom screening, end quote, prior to entering a team facility each day before being permitted to enter in order to ensure that any symptomatic individual will be tested prior to entering a team facility. Now, again, no epidemiologist am I, but again, these changes 
make sense to me. And these changes, by the way, are off multiple reports of many players having wanted to do away with all COVID-19 testing. There was a sizable chunk of players, maybe even a majority of players, that wanted all COVID-19 player testing gone. Just end it. Be done with it already. Now, that's not happening for a lot of reasons. But very, very notable here, the way the tide is turning on all of this. You know what's interesting to me about COVID-19? Doctors and nurses, whose jobs matter much more than the jobs of NFL players, aren't tested for COVID-19 nearly as often as NFL players are tested for COVID-19. Why is that? Why is it that doctors and nurses aren't tested for COVID-19 with nearly the frequency that NFL players are tested for COVID-19. Most doctors and nurses are only tested for COVID-19 if they are exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19. My dad is a neurologist. Now, he's now partially retired, but he worked full-time all of last year, still works now. He sees patients with, you know, multiple sclerosis and brain tumors and Parkinson's disease, you know, all kinds of serious ailments. In other words, he sees people with all kinds of pre-existing conditions, the kinds of people most susceptible to becoming seriously ill from COVID-19. And my dad isn't tested with any kind of frequency for COVID-19. Now, my dad is vaccinated for COVID-19. My dad has been boosted for his COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, My dad wears N95 masks when he's working. My dad is very strict in terms of operating safely and respectfully. But I've been thinking about this. If he's not being tested regularly for COVID-19, why is Daniel Wise being tested regularly for COVID-19? Like, what exactly are we doing here with all of this? I mean, are you aware of the Keith Ismail situation from the last few days? The Keith Ismail situation. Did you follow that? So Keith Ismail. Washington football team center. Washington on Thursday placed Keith Ismail on the reserve COVID-19 list. But Washington on Friday morning activated Keith Ismail from the reserve COVID-19 list. Why? It turned out that his symptoms were the flu, not COVID-19. So so Washington was allowed to immediately bring back someone with the flu, but Washington is not allowed to immediately bring back someone with COVID-19 who has been vaccinated for COVID-19, has been boosted for his COVID-19 vaccination, and who is asymptomatic of COVID-19. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Okay, like you can bring back someone with the flu, someone who can spread around the flu, but not someone with COVID-19 who has been vaccinated and boosted for COVID-19 and who is asymptomatic of COVID-19. There's also this. The Washington football team's chief medical officer, Anthony Casolaro, on Saturday afternoon took part in an NFL conference call on everything going on with COVID-19. Dr. Casolaro on this NFL conference call said that just two of Washington's 23 cases of COVID-19 in the outbreak up until that point involved players sick enough to have been withheld from practices based on those players' symptoms. Just two out of 23. And yet all 23 were deemed as having to be out. Does that make sense to you? To me, it's simple. You protect the vulnerable. You protect the elderly. You deploy resources to those communities that are most suffering with COVID-19. You promote responsible behavior. You promote getting vaccinated and boosted. But there needs to be some more rational thinking with all of this. And I do think that we are starting to see more rational thinking with all of this. Again, I'm no expert. I don't pretend to be an expert. I don't pretend to have all the answers. But I do think that these changes that the NFL has enacted make sense. And you know what? If these changes end up being bad, then you can always change back to the way that things were. But for now, to me, the changes make sense. And the changes are due in no small part to what has been happening with the Washington football team. Up next, the latest on just who is going to be available for Washington for its game at the Eagles on Tuesday night, including, yes, the quarterback situation. How likely is Taylor Heineke 
and or Kyle Allen being available for Washington. I'll get to that and much more after this. Well, four games are left in the Washington football team's regular season as Washington contends for a playoff spot. We have the big game at the Philadelphia Eagles Tuesday night at 7, followed by the big game at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football the night after Christmas, followed by Washington's final home game of the regular season, home to the Eagles, Sunday afternoon, January 2nd at 1. Do not exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find tickets to Washington football team games. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. You see, TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch the Washington football team live in person down the stretch of the regular season, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. No more of those ridiculous service fees. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Galdi. That's TickPick.com slash Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We continue the Washington football team conversation right now. It would seem, and I stress that word seem, that Washington is in fact now coming out of its COVID-19 outbreak. I am not declaring victory. I am not declaring the outbreak over. But indications are that the worst of Washington's COVID-19 outbreak is over. And that the biggest question now is just how many of those who went on the reserve COVID-19 list will be coming off the reserve COVID-19 list in time to play in Tuesday night's game at the Philadelphia Eagles at 7. Nothing matters more right now for Washington than its quarterback situation. Washington's top two quarterbacks are on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington last Wednesday afternoon placed Kyle Allen on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington this past Friday morning placed Taylor Heineke on the reserve COVID-19 list. Given the recent changes to the NFL's COVID-19 testing policy for this season, uh, it is possible that both Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen are good to go for Tuesday night at the Eagles. But of course, that is far from a certainty. Washington practiced on Sunday. This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice Zoom press conference on where things stood with Heineke and Allen. 
Well, I, I, I do know, having seen the numbers, that they're all trending up. So that's a good thing, you know, but this is a tricky thing. It's just, you know, it's it's a health matter. And, and depending on how things go in the next 24 to 36 hours, we'll know even more. Yes, we will. So trending up. Uh, I'll take that. Uh, I'm guessing that you'll take that. Trending up is better than trending down. Uh, now, if neither Heineke nor Allen is available for Tuesday night, then that likely means that Garrett Gilbert will be Washington's starting quarterback. Uh, Washington does have quarterback Kyle Shermer on the practice squad, but Ron Rivera does not seem to have any interest in playing old Kyle Shermer. Uh, Ron made that quite clear during his post-practice Zoom press conference last Wednesday afternoon. In fact, here was Ron last Wednesday afternoon on Kyle Shermer. Um, you know, he's a, he's a young man that, that hopefully doesn't have to get an opportunity. We'll be okay with that, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, <laughs> Don Ron clearly in no hurry to be playing Kyle Shermer. So Washington has Kyle Shermer on the practice squad. Washington also has quarterback Jordan Tamu on the practice squad, but the team just signed him to that this past Wednesday afternoon, although Tamu did participate in Washington's rookie minicamp this past May. But every indication is that Garrett Gilbert would be Washington's starting quarterback on Tuesday night if both Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen remain on the reserve COVID-19 list. Who exactly is Garrett Gilbert? Well, Washington this past Friday signed Garrett Gilbert off the New England Patriots practice squad as a corresponding roster move to placing Taylor Heineke on the reserve COVID-19 list. This season is Garrett Gilbert's age 30 season. Gilbert was taken by the St. Louis Rams, not the Los Angeles Rams, the St. Louis Rams, in the sixth round of the 2014 NFL draft out of SMU. He also played collegiately for Texas. In fact, Garrett Gilbert was Colt McCoy's backup quarterback for Texas for the 2009 season. Uh, Gilbert has spent time with, yes, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Gilbert was with the Panthers in the 2017 and 2018 seasons, so he has a familiarity with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner. Garrett Gilbert in his NFL career has played in just seven regular season games and has made just one regular season start. Uh, That start came for the Dallas Cowboys last season, came in a 24-19 Cowboys home loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week nine of the 2020 season. And all things considered, Gilbert was all right. I mean, he wasn't great, but he certainly wasn't like a total embarrassment. Uh, Gilbert in that game, 21 to 38 for 243 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He took two sacks. He had three carries for 28 yards. His total QBR per ESPN for the game was 56.8. I mean, again, nothing special, but you know, nothing horrendous either. Ron Rivera on Sunday on how Garrett Gilbert is doing. It's going well. You know, I thought the quarterbacks had a good day today, and I thought uh, Garrett did a nice job. I thought he handled the wind pretty well. It was pretty windy out there for the most part, and the quarterbacks had to throw into it, but uh, I thought they did a good job. All right. Here was Ron on Sunday on how much these extra practices with the game having been postponed to Tuesday night are helping Garrett Gilbert. Oh, I think it's been it's been very good for him because, uh, you know, his recall has been very good. But, uh, you know, the game planning specific things, it's really helped um, not just him, but I think it's helping the, the coaches get a good handle and feel for what he does really well and, and, and what he can, you know, he can um, adapt to and adjust with. It's also given him an opportunity to watch a little bit more film and see a little bit more as to, to what to expect from them on, on the defensive side. Yeah, it really is something that Garrett Gilbert signed on Friday. It could be starting on Tuesday night. Uh, it's all about the quarterback situation right now for Washington. There are other key Washington players to be monitoring for sure, but ain't no Washington thing that's as big of a thing as the quarterback thing is right now. I do think it's possible that Garrett Gilbert in one game against one opponent on one day does just fine. Like, I'm not going to do the thing that others are doing, which is Washington has no chance if Garrett Gilbert starts on Tuesday night. The 1-11-1 Detroit Lions ripped the 10-3 and Arizona Cardinals, 30-12 on Sunday afternoon. So never say any player or team has no chance in this NFL. A Garrett Gilbert quarterback Washington football team would have a chance at the Eagles. The chance just would not be, uh, shall we say, sky high. And yes, I would much rather, much rather have Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen 
as Washington's starting quarterback at the Eagles on Tuesday night. As for other key Washington players who still were on the reserve COVID-19 list as of early Monday morning, Washington last Tuesday afternoon plays corner Kendall Fuller and interior defensive lineman Tim Settle on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington last Wednesday afternoon placed offensive tackle Cornelius Lucas and interior defensive lineman Matt Ioannidis on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington last Thursday placed safety Cameron Curl and center Tyler Larson on the reserve COVID-19 list, although Larson has that Achilles injury that he suffered in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in week 14. So even if Larson comes off the reserve COVID-19 list, I'm not sure how likely it would be that Larson would be able to play at the Eagles on Tuesday night. But the point is, there still are plenty of key Washington players on the reserve COVID-19 list beyond Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. However, a number of key Washington players came off the reserve COVID-19 list over the weekend. Uh, Washington on Saturday morning activated four defensive linemen off the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington activated interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and edge defenders Montez Sweat, James Smith-Williams, and Casey Tuhill off the reserve COVID-19 list. Also, Washington on Saturday morning designated Montez Sweat to return to practice off him having been on the reserve injured list. Remember what went down with Montez Sweat. Washington on December 8th placed Montez Sweat on the reserve COVID-19 list. He had been on the reserve injured list, on which he was placed on November 13th due to the fractured jaw that he suffered in the loss at the Denver Broncos in Week 8. It was on December 8th, the day on which Montez went on the reserve COVID-19 list, that it had been anticipated that he might return to practice. Well, he's now back to practicing. Uh, So Washington for Tuesday night at the Eagles will have Jonathan Allen and will have back three key edge defenders in Montez Sweat, James Smith-Williams, and Casey Tuhill. Also, Washington on Sunday morning activated receiver Cam Sims and edge defender Daniel Wise off the reserve COVID-19 list. So the weekend was a good weekend for Washington in terms of the COVID-19 outbreak, but still a ways to go with the outbreak. There's also this, actual Washington injuries. Uh, Now, there is really good injury news from the last few days. Receiver Terry McLaurin, who is feared to have suffered a concussion in the loss of the Cowboys, was a full participant in practice on Saturday and then again on Sunday. So Terry should be good to go for Tuesday night at the Eagles. But receiver Curtis Samuel did not practice on Saturday and Sunday due to a hamstring injury. Running back J.D. McKissick did not practice on Saturday and Sunday due to what the team is calling a neck injury. McKissick has been inactive for each of Washington's last two games due to a concussion. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones did not practice on Sunday due to illness. Uh, Hopefully, he doesn't have COVID-19. Linebacker Cole Holcomb and right guard Brandon Sheriff each was a limited participant in practice on both Saturday and Sunday due to an ankle injury. As for the Eagles... Every single player on their active roster practiced fully on both Saturday and Sunday, but the Eagles on Sunday placed their starting left guard, Landon Dickerson, on the reserve COVID-19 list. Landon Dickerson is a rookie, a 2021 second round pick out of Alabama. Could it be, might it be, that the Eagles now have a COVID-19 situation? We shall see. Well, the Capitals and the Washington football team ought to get together and form like a support group because each team is dealing with a whole lot in the way of COVID-19-induced absences right now. Two games for the Caps over the weekend. Each game featured the Caps missing a bunch of key players due to COVID-19 and due to injury. Now, Friday night, the Caps won. Uh, The Caps won at the Winnipeg Jets 5-2, but Sunday night, the Caps lost. Uh, The Caps fell to 18-6-7 with a 3-2 loss to the Los Angeles Kings at Capital One Arena. The Caps now are tied with the Carolina Hurricanes for the most points in the NHL at 43. And that's the thing, that the Caps are tied atop the NHL 31 games into the Caps' 82-game regular season, despite all of the absences and injuries. Says a lot about this Capitals team. The Caps deserve a lot of credit for the season that they're having. But man, this has been some season in terms of the Caps missing key guys. 
The caps for Friday night's win at the Jets were without Nicholas Backstrom due to him being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. This drove you nuts. Backstrom in the Caps' previous game, the 5-4 overtime loss at the Chicago Blackhawks last Wednesday night, had just made his season debut. Nicholas Backstrom had been out since the start of Capitals training camp due to ongoing rehabilitation on his hip. He makes his season debut finally on Wednesday night, and now he's out due to being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. Backstrom has played in one game this season. Uh, the Caps for Friday night's win at the Jets were without Evgeny Kuznetsov for a second consecutive game due to him being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. The Caps for Friday night's win at the Jets were without Tom Wilson for a third consecutive game due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the 4-2 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena on December 10th. The Caps for Friday night's win at the Jets were without Garnett Hathaway for a fifth consecutive game due to him being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. The Caps for Friday night's win at the Jets were without Nick Dowd and defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, each guy in that loss at the Blackhawks last Wednesday night had returned from a four-game absence caused by being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol, but each guy for this game at Winnipeg did not play due to COVID-19 protocol rules entering Canada. And the Caps remain without Anthony Mantha, who is out indefinitely due to shoulder surgery that he underwent on November 5th. So the Caps on Friday night were without all of these key players, and yet the Caps won. The Caps found a way to win. Uh, the Caps again got production from guys who plenty of Caps fans had probably never even heard of prior to this season. The following Caps forwards each had a goal and an assist on Friday night. Daniel Sprung, Michael Scarbosa, and Brett Leeson. Uh, the Caps got great goaltending on Friday night. Vitek Vanacek was excellent. He was a Caps starting goaltender for just the fourth time in 14 games. He stopped 40 of the 42 shots on goal that he faced. Vanacek for natural stat tricks stopped all 14 of the high danger shots on goal that he faced. Vanacek was terrific on Friday night. Uh, the game, by the way, happened hours after Paul Maurice resigned as Jets head coach, but then came Sunday night's loss to the Kings at Capital One Arena. And while the Caps got back Hathaway Dowd and Van Riemsdyk for this game, the Caps remained without Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Wilson, and Mantha. And the Caps added two more players to the team's list of guys who were out. TJ Oshie did not play due to being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol, and Michael Scarbosa did not play due to being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. The Caps found out about Scarbosa being out right before the start of the game. Every time you turn around right now, the Caps are losing someone due to COVID-19 protocol. Uh, the Caps on Sunday night blew a 2-0 second period lead. The Caps power play on Sunday night was terrible. Uh, the Caps went 0-6 of on the power play. Caps failed to score a goal off any of the Kings' eight minor penalties in the game. And the Caps gave up a shorthanded goal in the second period to begin the Kings' comeback from a 2-0 second period deficit. The Caps have had a problem with giving up shorthanded goals since the start of last season. Caps now have allowed an NHL worst 12 regular season shorthanded goals since the start of the 2020-2021 NHL regular season. But given all of the absences, how the heck are the Caps supposed to have a quality power play? Head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Sunday night on the Caps power play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, you don't get a, you know, hardly get a chance to work on it and talk, uh, touch on it. Uh, a lot of guys that aren't typically out there for us, they're, they're doing their best. And uh, like I said, it's not, it's not the, the ones we didn't get that, that's, that, that we're trying to work on. It's the one that we gave up, and that's the one that, you know, you could have, we just needed to be better. We needed to do a better job. Yeah, the Caps are allowing way too many shorthanded goals. The Caps in Sunday night's loss to the Kings did go 4-4 on the penalty kill as the Caps committed six minor penalties. Uh, Caps lost on Sunday night despite winning the puck possession battle. Caps for natural stat trick had 45 five-on-five -five shot attempts to the Kings 32. Caps had 35 shots on goal to the Kings 24. Uh, Vitek Vanacek was the Caps starting goaltender for a second consecutive game. He stopped 21 of the 24 shots on goal that he faced. Vanacek for natural stat trick stopped just two of the four high danger shots on goal 
that he faced, stopped four of the five medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 15 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Alex Ovechkin did go pointless on Sunday night, but he had another impactful game. Game high six shots on goal, game high 16 shot attempts. Ovi was great in the win at the Jets on Friday night. He had a third period even strength empty net goal, had a game high eight shots on goal, and had a game high tying 11 shot attempts. And Ovechkin, per natural stat trick, ranked number four on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game at 57.89. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations on Friday night, had 22 shot attempts versus allowing 16 shot attempts. So there is a lot to like about the Capitals right now. It's just tough for the Caps right now with all of these guys out. More from Laviolette on Sunday night. The game's the game. Uh, the numbers are, are, there, are there. You try and win the numbers. If you win the numbers, you can win a game. And so you try to generate, you try and stay in the ozone. You try and generate quality scoring chances. You try to be good on special teams. You try to be good defensively. You try not to give up much. And those are the things that you need to, to work on. And if you do it on a nightly basis, you'll find success. It didn't, it didn't work for us tonight. No, it did not. Next up for the Caps, they will be at the Philadelphia Flyers Tuesday night at 7. So the Caps, like the Washington football team, dealing with a lot right now in the way of COVID-19 absences. And the Caps, like the Washington football team, will be playing a game at Philadelphia Tuesday night at 7. Well, things had not been going well for the Wizards lately, but things went quite well for the Wizards. On Saturday night, a much-needed win and an impressive win. The Wizards improved to 16-15 and with a 109-103 win at the Utah Jazz on Saturday night. Now, the Wizards did beat a Jazz team that was playing the second game of a back-to-back and was resting point guard Mike Conley, but the Jazz's back-to-back was a home back-to-back. The Jazz came into the game 20-8 and this season. Utah is one of the best teams in the NBA, and the Wizards came into the game having gone just 5-12 and since their 10-3 and start to the season. The Wizards came into the game having fallen to 500 on the season at 15-15, and and the Wizards did remain without multiple key players. Still no Rui Hachimura. He has yet to play this season due to personal reasons. Still no Thomas Bryant. He has yet to play this season as he continues to recover from a partially torn left ACL That was suffered last January, and yet the Wizards won this game. The Wizards overcame an 11-point first-quarter deficit. The Wizards defended the three quite well. Wiz held the Jazz to just 14 of 44 on threes. The Wizards protected the basketball. The Wizards committed just nine turnovers to the Jazz's 16. Uh, The Wiz were terrible on threes, but the Wiz did hit a massive three, and more important than anything for the Wizards in this game, the Wizards dominated inside. Uh, First with the three. So the Wizards, who are not a good three-point shooting team, went just 9 of 31 on threes. However, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope hit a massive three. And if you watch the game, you know of what I speak. You talk about an onions three. KCP connected on an onions three. Uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, he went just three and nine on threes in the game, but he connected on a 26-foot Fadeaway contested right wing three with the shot clock winding down for a 108 103 Wizards lead with 11.6 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That seriously is one of the biggest and best shots any Wizards player has connected on this season. What a job by KCP in making that three. So the Wizards, yes, were bad overall on threes. Again, 9 of 31 for the game. But the Wiz went 33 of 63 on twos. And the Wizards outscored the Jazz in the paint 54-30. And that is significant because of what happened the previous Saturday night. December 11th, a 123-98 Wizards lost to the Jazz at Capital One Arena. The Wizards in that game actually let out the half 51-50 but the Wizards got smashed in the second half. Wizards lost the second half of that game, 73-47. The Wizards in that second half allowed the Jazz to go a scorching 22 of 28 on twos and got outscored in the paint, 42-26. The Wizards were owned in the paint in that game by, you know, Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside and Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley. The Wizards did a terrible job defending the paint 
in the second half in that blowout loss to the Jazz at Capital One Arena the previous Saturday night. A much different tale in the paint this past Saturday night. The Wiz went from getting walloped by the Jazz in the paint in D.C. the previous Saturday night to walloping the Jazz in the paint in Utah this past Saturday night. Now, the Wizards did get lucky to a degree. Uh, The Jazz missed a bunch of free throws on Saturday night. Jazz went just 19-30 on free throws. The Wizards went 16-20 on free throws. But the Wizards benefited from some terrific individual performances and leading the way, Bradley Veal. A very good game for him. One of his best games of the season. Heck, this may have been Veal's best game of the season. You know, he has not had a great season by Bradley Veal standards, but he was great on Saturday night. Beal scored 37 points in 36 minutes, 17 seconds as a starter. He went 2 of 5 on threes, 11 of 19 on twos, and 9 of 10 on free throws. Beal also had 7 assists versus 2 turnovers and 5 rebounds. And Beal had maybe the highlight of the night, a thunderous driving dunk on Rudy Gobert in the third quarter. What was a go-ahead thunderous driving dunk for Beal on Gobert. The dunk put the Wizards up 74-73. Also, Denny Abdia was great on Saturday night. Abdia in 30 minutes, 22 seconds off the bench, 2-2 two two on threes, 2-3 two on twos, finished with 11 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists versus 2 turnovers, 2 steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 23. Abdia consistently has these great plus-minus numbers for the Wizards. And a lot of this is due to him being the Wizards' best defender. Denny Abdia really has emerged as an excellent defensive player for the Wizards this season. So when we talk about the Wizards defending the paint so much better in this win at the Jazz on Saturday night as compared to what went down in the second half of the Wizards' loss to the Jazz at Capital One Arena the previous Saturday night, Denny Abdia is a big reason. Head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on what he saw from Denny Abdia in this win at the Jazz. Just, you know, another awesome defensive effort. You know, I thought he was great. Uh, his size, his, his physicality. Uh, I thought he was uh, much improved in the pick and roll. And some of that, too, goes to the levels at which our bigs were, were at. But um, he played with a good purpose. You know, it, it didn't, didn't do uh, too much. I'll let the game come to him, but uh, I just like his aggression on the defensive end. Also a big part of the Wizards doing well in the paint on Saturday night, uh, Daniel Gafford and Montrez Harrell. Gafford in 28-12 as a starter, 12 points on 5-10 shooting, all twos, 9 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards and 2 assists versus no turnovers. Montrez Harrell in 1937 off the bench, 1-1 on threes, 3-5 on twos, 11.6 rebounds and 3 assists versus one turnover. There also was this. We saw more of Raul Neto than we saw of Spencer Dinwiddie, who was terrible offensively again. This Dinwiddie thing has become a very big thing. So Spencer Dinwiddie on Saturday night played for just 25 minutes, 13 seconds as a starter, and he went scoreless. Yeah, zero points in 25-13 as a starter. Dinwiddie went 0-3 on threes, 0-4 on twos. He did have seven rebounds, four assists versus two turnovers and two steals. So it's not like Dinwiddie did nothing, but Spencer Dinwiddie for the game had a plus-minus rating of minus seven. So like I said, he played for 25-13. Neto off the bench played for 29-20. And Neto finished with 15 points, seven rebounds, four assists versus one turnover, and a plus-minus rating of plus 14. Neto went one of three on threes and five of nine on twos. And as telling as anything was this, Neto in the fourth quarter played for all 12 minutes. Dinwiddie in the fourth quarter played for just two minutes, 50 seconds. West Jr. during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on in the fourth quarter, playing Neto for so much more than West played Dinwiddie. Yeah, no, we had the d- debate. And it's, you know, do you bring him back? And the group that was out there, I thought had a great synergy. Um, they were playing, you know, playing hard. I thought playing well at that time. So I just went with my gut and kept him in there. I thought Howell was, was impactful. He was impactful, but it has become impossible to ignore what's happening with Spencer Dinwiddie. This is really significant if you're a Wizards fan. Spencer Dinwiddie really is struggling offensively right now. Spencer Dinwiddie, over eight games in the month of December, has gotten just four of 27 
on threes and has totaled a mere 54 points. He is averaging just 6.75 points per game over eight games in this month of December. But still, big win for the Wizards on Saturday night. It was great to see the Wiz get this victory. Next up for the Wizards on what is now a 1-3 and three road trip, the Beast of the East. Uh, the Wiz will be at the Eastern Conference leading Brooklyn Nets Tuesday night at 7.30. All right, let's talk some college basketball. Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all played over the last few days. The Hoyas lost the Cavaliers and Hokies each one in blowout fashion. We begin with Georgetown, which fell to 6-5 with an 80-73 loss to TCU at Capital One Arena on Saturday afternoon. Now, the Hoyas were really undermanned for this game. First of all, their starting point guard, Dante Harris, did not play Due to a right ankle sprain, Harris initially suffered the sprained right ankle in the 79-75 win over Syracuse at Capital One Arena the previous Saturday afternoon, December 11th. He then aggravated the injury in practice on Friday. So no Dante Harris for Georgetown for this loss to TCU. Also, seven-foot big man Timothy Igoefe remains out due to a broken hand that he suffered in the 91-83 win over Longwood at Capital One Arena on November 30th. And 6'4 freshman Jordan Riley is out due to a shoulder injury. Georgetown on December 15th announced that Riley is out indefinitely due to a shoulder injury. Uh, Jordan Riley was the 2020-2021 Gatorade New York Boys basketball player of the year. So a Georgetown team that isn't great to begin with is missing some key players right now. Uh, The Hoyas in this loss to TCU were competitive. Uh, The Hoyas had a two-point lead at 61-59 with less than eight minutes left in the second half. The Hoyas then lost the rest of the game 21-12. Georgetown went just eight of 23 on threes, allowed TCU to go 11-26 on threes. Georgetown went just 20-43 of on twos. Did hold TCU to 17-40 of on twos. Freshman Tyler Beard handled the Hoyas point guard duties with Dante Harris out. The results were mixed. Uh, Beard in 31 minutes as a starter. Scored just three points at five assists versus four turnovers. The Hoyas' two best players were Amino Muhammad and Donald Carey. Muhammad, the 6'5", 5-star freshman, one of three on threes, just 7 of 17 on twos, but he finished with 21 points and 11 rebounds in 34 minutes as a starter. Did also have one assist versus three turnovers. Carey, 2 of 5 on threes, 3 of 7 on twos, 12 points, 5 assists versus one turnover, 5 rebounds and 4 steals in 37 minutes as a starter. Hoyas did get back two players. Caden Rice, the graduate transfer from the Citadel. He was back from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID-19 illness. He went 4 of 11 on threes, finished with 14 points in 31 minutes as a starter. And Jalen Billingsley returned from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID-19 illness. He played for 10 minutes off the bench. Next up for the Hoyas, their Big East opener. Georgetown will be at Providence Wednesday evening at 6.30. Virginia improved to 7-4 overall with an 82-49 blasting of Fairleigh Dickinson at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville on Saturday afternoon. Look, Fairleigh Dickinson is a bad team. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson entered the game 0-9 this season, and so the Cavaliers dominated. Uh, Cavs never trailed in the game. Cavs went 9-17 on threes, 25-38 on twos. Cavs held Fairleigh Dickinson to just 6-23 of on threes and just 11-36 on twos. The star of the game for the Wahoos was the East Carolina transfer, Jaden Gardner. He scored 29 points in just 26 minutes, 38 seconds as a starter. He went 14 of 18 from the field. All twos also had six rebounds. It was appropriate that Jaden Gardner had such a big scoring game because members of Virginia's 1971-72 team were honored on the court during the first TV timeout for the game. The star of that 71-72 Cavaliers team was Barry Parkhill, uh, Barry Parkhill on December 11th, 1971, scored a program record 51 points. Uh, this in a 117-83 win over Baldwin Wallace at University Hall. That 1971-72 Virginia team won 21-7. Parkhill set a record that still stands today. Most points ever scored by a Virginia men's basketball player in a game. Parkhill dropping 51 in December 1971. Uh, Jaden Gardner did not get to 51, but he did get to 29. Uh, next up for UVA, home to Clemson Wednesday night 
at 8. And then Virginia Tech improved to 8-4 and four overall with an 86-49 blowout of St. Bonaventure in Charlotte on Friday afternoon. This was a really surprising blowout. Uh, you know, that Tech won wasn't necessarily surprising, but how Tech won was the Hokies demolished a St. Bonaventure team that did come into the game 8-2 and two on the season. Hokies began the game on a 13-0 run, never trailed in the game. Hokies went 13-28 on threes, 15-23 on twos. Hokies held St. Bonaventure to just 6-23 on threes and just 12-31 on twos. Uh, the six foot three Hunter Couture, 5-5 five five on threes, finished with 21 points and five rebounds in just 26 minutes as a starter. Six-foot Wofford graduate transfer, Storm Murphy, 4-7 on threes. He finished with 18 points, three assists, versus one turnover in just 24 minutes as a starter. Next up for the Hokies, a big one. Virginia Tech will be at number two Duke Wednesday night at 9. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday's show, episode 211, will be a very special Washington football team pregame show installment of the Al Galdi podcast as we will prepare for the oh-so-rare Tuesday night NFL game. The 6-7 and seven Washington football team at the 6-7 and seven Philadelphia Eagles Tuesday night at 7. I'll discuss the latest on who's available for Washington and Philadelphia. Uh, I'll examine what Washington will be facing in the Eagles. We have yet to really get into the actual matchup for this game. I'll welcome on a special guest, Eagles insider Chris Franklin of NJ.com. And I will present to you my rhyming keys for a Washington win at Philly. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. And we always want to know one thing, what's cause of all this? Yeah. Woo! Yeah.